This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled to, today to be joined by Tom Draper, Vice President for the Wellstar Center for Cardiovascular Care. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you at the podcast today. Thank you, Laura, for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much going on in healthcare and cardiovascular care as well. But before we dive into our discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I've, I've been in, in the cardiovascular space for about uh, 20, 23, 24 years now. I, I started my career as an exercise physiologist, actually in cardiac rehab and stress testing um, at, at the University of Michigan. So I was born and raised in Michigan. Worked at the University of Michigan for about 14 years. Um, after cardiac rehab, worked in uh, um, in several different leadership roles within the cardiovascular center there. Um, so got sort of both the clinical side and then the administrative side. And uh, in 2012, moved south down to Charlotte, North Carolina, and took a role with the Sanger Heart and Vascular Institute, which at that time was part of Carolina's healthcare system, which renamed itself to what it is today, which is Atrium Health. And then since August of, uh, and my, my last role there was as vice president for the hospital operations uh, uh, aspect of Sanger Heart and Vassar Institute, and then uh, moved to Marietta, Georgia, and working for the Wellstar Center for Cardiovascular Care since August of 2020, where I am uh, the vice president over the service line, uh, which includes the hospital has 11 hospitals, eight hospitals where we do um, PCIs uh, have a full-service cardiac surgery and structural heart and does everything up into uh, the only thing we do not do here is heart transplant, but a really large service line, 95-ish um, physicians and 20-plus um, uh, um, out, outpatient practices. So a uh, very large group, very excited to be here and uh, very excited to be on the, on the podcast today. Fantastic. I think, you know, what a, a great career journey. It seems like you've gotten such um, interesting experiences across several different um, health systems and healthcare situations. And now when you look at your current role, uh, managing the inpatient as well as outpatient services, where do you really see um, some of the, the trends in cardiology headed? Yeah, so where I, where I see, obviously, there's, there's, you know, what does the post-COVID world look like as as we try to deal with staffing like every other aspect of, of really any industry, you know, what we, what we do with staffing, how does that sort of shift how we take care of patients? And I, and I think that's, you know, it's going to drive a lot of things. So a couple areas that have been sort of evolving for the past couple of years is site of service. So more and more cardiovascular care shifting to the outpatient realm, whether that's, you know, in, in, the, in the endovascular space, whether that's in electrophysiology, and in some states where it's not C of N, unfortunately, Georgia has this rule, um, but doing PCIs in the ASC setting. And so, you know, developing our strategy that aligns with that, I think, is, is what we're focusing a lot on. Um, the other piece is, is, you know, changing in advanced imaging. So the CT first strategy for the evaluation of chest pain, which is a, which is a huge shift from the historical nuclear um, medicine or nuclear cardiology testing. And, you know, that's, that's a, you know, not only a, a clinical play where it's a more um, diagnostic test than maybe what we get with nuclear, but it's also a value play. So it's a lower cost test for patients, maybe avoid some unnecessary testing. So as a cardiology leader, 
working with my team, working in partnership with, with radiology is how do we plan for that? Do we have the CT assets throughout the um, system? Do we have the right number of readers and the right type of readers? How do we address just the whole entire workflow aspect? So that's, that's a big piece of our strategy. And then another area that, you know, COVID sort of has lent to this, um, but just really what the consumers want is this shift and the utilization of digital health, uh, digital and virtual health. So, you know, we're trying to think through, and many other systems are trying to think through, and we don't know exactly what the virtual reimbursement's gonna look like in the future, but we know that virtual has a, a place in the delivery of cardiovascular care. And it's not just your outpatient appointments and your follow-up appointments, it is how we can manage populations better. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we like to talk about is that there are so many patients within our, within our system, we could grow by not even marketing or not even doing any outreach if we just identify patients within our own system that we can manage better, um, that are not managed well if they have atrial fibrillation, their hypertension's not managed well, their lipids not managed well, their heart failure is not managed well. And so much is put on primary care and you know, trying to go through that funnel if we have digital and virtual health strategies that can, can help us uh, to manage those patients better, we're going we're gonna to manage the population and actually end up growing um, as a result of it. And sort of along those lines, how does technology and AI and natural language processing fall into that? How do we, uh, quote unquote, mine our own uh, EHR in order to identify these patients that we are undermanaged? Um, so that's sort of all the stuff that's going through our heads today as we look to the next three, four, five years down the road. Got it. That's so interesting to think about, especially, you know, when you're looking at some of the new technologies and, and what you'll need to build a department of the future, basically. Um, so you're set up to care for patients um, in the best way possible. Absolutely. Now yeah, and in, in thinking about you know developing that and bringing in these technologies and, and um, being more precise about delivering care and the virtual technologies, what kind of investment are you seeing that taking in the coming years? Yeah, uh, definitely, um, you know the word partnerships come you know comes into play. So um, you know first off, it has to start with your strategy and and our strategy as as cardiovascular service line needs to align with the system strategy. So fortunately, you know, here and, and probably most systems around the country, their, their strategy is looking at this, looking forward to this digital, uh, what we call a digital operating model. Um, so, and it's gonna take investments, both obviously on, on the cardiology space, but as a system space in this. And so partnerships, I think is gonna be key. So, you know, what industry partners um, can you align with? And, and you know, in, in the cardiology space, uh, there are several. There, there are several. Most of our major cardiology industry partners are thinking in the space as well. So how do we partner with them either to develop something or utilize something that they, all, they already have um, to help leverage this strategy? But then, you know, there's this, this huge intersection happening between uh, tech and healthcare. So the large, large um, tech companies are looking at this space and looking for partners in order to identify 
um, sort of win-win situations. You know, tech wants to be in the healthcare space, but they need access to, you know, large numbers of, of patients that they can they can have an impact on. And systems or service lines are wanting to provide better, more proactive, um, more you know, digitally focused care, but we don't have the infrastructure or the expertise that can sort of get that up and running quickly. So that's where, you know, you see intersections between tech and um, and health systems happening more and more, um, especially, you know, I think it started a little bit before COVID, but I think COVID certainly has helped to accelerate that because we see we need to, we need to create a different way of, of uh, delivering care. So to me, um, the investments in partnerships and, and certainly some systems who are forward thinking and have maybe some other resources are are creating that that themselves but i think most are gonna gonna do it through different partnerships got it that makes a lot of sense and you know when you think about the macro healthcare trends are there any other things that you're following today that really have an impact on where um you're headed yeah i mean it's uh you know, the biggest, and I alluded to a little bit earlier, is is staffing, um, and and how we um, you know deal with this great out migration of clinical expertise, um, and so which which has as a result driven up salaries because now we have to we have less supply, so we and much greater demand, so we're we're you know salaries have gone up to such a great level to be competitive within the market, so. How we adjust our our staffing models and how we deliver care, I, I think, is is a big is a big aspect. Um, so that's very tactical. That's very on the ground, um, and it's something that keeps us up at night. Um, macro trends, uh, to me, is is you know what is what's the drive to value? Um, most systems today are still very much fee for service, curve one um, value. And where we're just trying to do more and more, the other, you know, the shift and when is it going to happen or or it is happening, but what's going to be the breaking point where the preponderance of care is delivered via value um, and, you know, really based off of quality, how we manage populations, stuff like that. Um, you know, that, that intersection, you know, we've been talking about it for 10 years and yes, Things have, have have taken place, and there is a lot more focus on value. Um, but when is it going to be the major focus? And so that's that's a macro trend that that um, varies from state to state, depending on on the different rules, and it, and it varies from health system to health system. And so, to me, how I view that world is one that's where things should go, uh, one where or two, that's where they probably are going. So how do we have the infrastructure to support that, both within the service line and with, within you know, the system? And to me, it's about having the right analytics and the right resources to understand the cost and the quality of care that you provide and what the intersection is of those two. So, so having that infrastructure to say, hey, if things shift overnight to value, I know what my levers are in, over, in order to improve my value. And then, you know, secondly is, do I have the resources and the right expertise to then change those things that we need to do and to improve our value? Meaning, do we have the right quality support? Do we have the right um, lean support, industrial engineer support 
to look at our processes and to break it down. And are our physicians and administrative leaders you know, trained enough in change management to shift to a different way of, of looking at how we deliver care? Not necessarily how we deliver care, but how we look at ourselves in delivering care in a more standardized care path, um, value-focused way. So to me, the macro trend is, is the shift of value. The micro aspect of that is, is the infrastructure needed to support that shift. Absolutely. I think that's so, so key. Um, Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you.